Hey guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And this is going to be unsettling. Deeply. sexy lounge um abby's been replaced with alfie alfie is um an australian shepherd so abby is not having an asthma attack it's actually a dog doing the tippy taps and the (laughs) he just wanted to chase a fly yeah it's very better sit down okay good boy he's like but there's a fly in here oh oh almost got it (laughs) all right so we all know I'm a big fan of the Titanic, right? Yeah. So. All of us. <laughs> all of us. We, I. Oh. Whoa, what was that? My phone. Chase the waves. Uh, I will take any opportunity to start singing the Titanic theme song that. <laughs> we went tubing over the summer and Katie got disconnected from our group. And I sang to her like she was. Um, Rose. Rose floating away. So anyway, we were raised on the the love that is Jack and Rose and made us judge all of our human, all of our trust in human judgment because there was room on that door for Jack. Yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. Um, So when I heard of a tragedy that was just as devastating as the Titanic, I just needed to know what the hell it was about because I hadn't heard anything like it. And apparently it happened right around the same time frame. Oh, no. It got overshadowed. Yeah. Only three years after the Titanic. Wow. Um, and the Titanic killed over 1,500 people. But we did not seem to learn our lesson from this. And what's even worse is that the deaths on the Titanic were considered more merciful because they froze to death versus how these people died. So just imagine uh, that. Yeah. I don't... I don't... Uh. <laughs> um, this accident, if you want to call it that, occurred at the dock of the Chicago River. Only the the river where the boat was docked was only 20 feet deep. And um, given how close the dock was to the industries of Chicago, the water was like super polluted because it's 1915. Yeah, they didn't really. They had no idea. No. So like it was runoff from livestock and human waste and industrial waste. And it just literally people just threw their garbage in the river because they didn't know. Mm. Um, So instead of being like that nice clear greenish blue water you see when you look at the chicago river now it was black muck like mud it was, it was thick it was bad sludge sludge big sludge uh so while the huge loss of life that happened is terrible enough the situation that was surrounding the accident made the whole thing really like eerie and unsettling so i want to talk about the eastland tragedy never heard of it no no i found one you haven't heard of i've done it so, to talk about the Eastland tragedy, I have to give you, like, the full picture of who was on board that day, because that's the most important part. The passengers on the Eastland were first and second generation immigrants who worked for Western Electric Company. So, Western Electric eventually became to be AT&T that we know today. Oh. Yeah. But um, at that time, they were just manufacturing phones and infrastructure for phones under the name of Western Electric. 
Yeah, right, Alf? There's the fly. It's the fly. Uh, Western Electric was in a battle with Bell Telephone. And when they won the rights to the telephone infrastructure in the area, they knew that they needed to build a town to support and house the employees that they needed to be able to build this infrastructure. Okay. And they were not reporting for their six-day work weeks. They would be here in their houses, you know, just living lives, six building families. days? Yeah, they work six-day work weeks, at least 12-hour days. That's a rip-off. The entire family worked there. Like, as soon as you were of working age, you went to work for this company because there was nothing else close. Mm-hmm. And they were just dedicated people. So they worked long hours, and although they were scheduled for a day off, they rarely got one. And the employees were proud and thankful to have a job that allowed them to provide for their family. So entire families were relocated to Cicero, and new generations were born there, all from the opportunity that Western Electric offered them, because they wouldn't be able to do that without that. Yeah. I feel like Western Electric is like, they're happy, they're fine. Yeah, it's They're great. grateful. It's great. Uh, one of the days that the employees and families look forward to most was the annual company picnic. The entire company of Western Electric would shut down on a Saturday, and then Western Electric would invite families and employees over for to come for dinner, drinks, and games. And the families would usually dress up in, like, their best attire. Some would even wear, like, new outfits because this was, like, a big deal. They didn't get to go out much. Yeah, clearly. And also, side note, this is, like, impressively forward-thinking for 1915, like, yeah. employee enrichment in 1915. <laughs> Team building. Yeah. So, anyway, they have this annual picnic, right? And this year it was going to be in Michigan City which would require a boat ride across Lake Michigan. Again, some families would never have the opportunity to put their entire family on a boat. Nevertheless, feeding them indulgent meals when they got off the boat, so the employees got dressed in their absolute best, and they all headed to the dock. Super excited about annual Western Electric picnic. So the morning of the picnic, employees of Western Electric met with... Um, their families, and they headed down to the dock, and they found the Speed Queen of the Great Lakes. Is that also, the boat? That's the boat. It was called the Speed Queen of the Great Lakes, or the Eastland. Okay. You know, boats have, like, two names. I don't really understand. Um, yeah. And it was docked on the edge of the Chicago River. The Eastland was originally a cargo ship, but the owners quickly realized that there was more money in transporting passengers, which would have been okay if the Eastland wasn't built specifically for cargo. Oh. First big issue. Yeah. Um, so my understanding is that cargo ships are tall and narrow with, like, big holes in the bottom where the cargo stays. Yeah. Which can, like, offset the weight so it doesn't sink. Um, the narrowness, like, allowed them to travel through channels. But the height would be a problem had it been, like, a passenger ship because then it would get a little tippy. Yeah. And I feel like a car has a different set of needs than a person. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So... It's a cargo ship, but we're putting people on it. Let's go. So the passengers started boarding around 6.30 a.m., excited for a day on the water, followed by the company picnic. Now they're going to make them get up at 6.30, too? Oh, they've been up for hours because they got ready in their garb, like their head-to-toe year. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So they get up 6.30. They're getting on the boat. The boat started to board around 6.30, and around 6.41... 11 minutes into boarding, the Eastland started to tilt a little bit. You think they'd take that as a hint? Um, the like Eastland was equipped with a manual writing system, which means that there was somebody who was actually in the bottom of the boat with these two big tanks of water and two big valves, essentially, 
that would open a valve to let water out on one side so the boat would tip back the other way. Okay. It was, you know, back then that's the best they had and it worked, but either way. So the person at the bottom was trying to offset the tilt, but they were at the bottom of the boat so they didn't feel the tilt as much. The whole thing was just a little broken, but they were trying their best. They were. So the initial tilt wasn't very noticeable. And everyone kind of attributed it to everybody getting on board all at once. Yeah. And they figured, oh, once everybody's on board, it'll fix itself. So the ship was adjusted at the bottom by the engineer to offset the tilt. Having This having been after the Titanic, the Eastland was now um, required to be equipped with lifeboats that were not originally planned for when considering the weight capacity of the boat. The Eastland was now mostly upright still at the dock boarding, and it's around 7.10. So around 7.15, the Eastland fills to capacity of 2,500 passengers. And the boat began to list again, starting to tilt a little bit. And the engineer responsible for fixing the boat wasn't too concerned because the Eastland itself had a um, history of being a quote-unquote cranky boat. Mm. Um, it, it, ha- it was habitually unsteady. Like me. (laughs) Yeah. Because, again, it was a cargo ship, not a passenger ship. So the engineer adjusted the writing equipment and waited for the boat to correct itself, which it did. And then, because he's at the bottom of the boat and it doesn't feel the same, it overcorrected. Okay. So while still at the dock, the Eastland was tipping away from the dock's edge, getting closer and closer to the water, if you want to call it that, of the Chicago River. This is when really worst case scenario just seemed to take over. The Eastland rolled onto its side, crushing and forcing passengers into the water. Quickly? Yes. This I thought it was going to at least it, leave the dock. No, we're still at the dock. We've They've only been on the boat for 41 minutes at this point. Yeah. At best. So the, the Chicago River, like I said, was only 20 feet deep, but it was polluted and dark. And the passengers were dressed in their very best outfits, which usually meant multiple layers of heavy fabric. Yeah. So the polluted water contributing with the heavy fabrics caused a lot of passengers to just immediately drown. There were life preservers on board, again, because we learned from the Titanic, but they were locked away, so they never got to use them. (laughs) The passengers who were on the lower decks of the Eastland as it rolled, so, like, the people that weren't on, like, the top deck, they were in, like, the rooms and stuff, the hallways... They said it was like a fun house. So people are now walking on the walls, holding the floor because everything's on its side. Um, The rooms are starting to fill with water and people are trying to move to one area where they see like an air pocket. Now, all of this is happening in the middle of Chicago. So the people that lived in Chicago were watching this from the dockyard like in horror, listening to the screamings of entire families drowning without any way to help. Boaters would try and, like, boat over to them and rescue them that way. But people would tip over the boat, like, because, you know, they're freaking out. They tip over the boat, and now everybody's drowning again. So bystanders, and again, people are just trying to help, but bystanders were then throwing luggage and big wooden crates into the river to give people stuff to float on. But there were so many people in the water that they were hitting people in the head, knocking them unconscious, and then they would just drown and die. No! Yeah. So they were getting impaled and hit by things, and they're drowning. Um, 
it got to a point where there was a lot of mothers without any other options and they would put their babies on floating objects and just push them the 20 feet to the shoreline so they would be safe as they sunk under the black water. This is terrible. Yeah, right? And I've never heard of this. No. So, again, we're talking about people drowning 20 feet away from you in a body of water not much deeper than a pool. That had to be, like, the most helpless experience to watch, to be a part of. Like, Yeah. Like, really, think about that. That They're over there in a pool, just, and we can't do anything about it. Terrifying. So, eventually, people on land realized that there was still people in the boat, like, in the hull of the boat, in the rooms of, of the boat, trapped in that air pocket. So, welders came and offered to cut through the boat, the boat's hull to let the passengers out. And the police were not letting anyone get near the boat, whether or not they were trying to help. But eventually, the police were overtaken by, like, townspeople. And the welders made it to the boat. Once they got to the boat, we're like, oh, okay, they'll be able to cut into it. No. The captain of the boat was standing on top of the hull, trying to protect the integrity of the boat. Not the people in the boat, but the integrity of the boat. Come on, Cap. Yeah. Cap's a real D-bag, if you ask me. So the people of Chicago were suggesting that maybe we just throw the captain overboard or kill him. So <laughs> the boat never had integrity. Yeah. So eventually the captain uh, let the welders go and the, le- the welders were able to cut through the hull and help get some of the people out. Yeah. So they could, because at that point, again, they're 20 feet away from the dock. So they're just standing on this boat that's on its side, just waiting. As long as you're not in the water, you're okay. So in a matter of hours, a day that... Families look forward to all year, left entire families either broken or gone altogether. Around 8.10, now again, they started boarding at 6.30. It's only 8.10. Around 8.10 a.m., the screaming from passengers and victims of the river stopped, and the silence told everyone that they were no longer in a rescue mission, but a recovery mission. Just two hours after boarding had really started. That's crazy. They never left the dock. For the people who were able to be saved from the river, because there was some people that were pulled out or um, helped by boats or, you know, hit by luggage, but then saved, uh, they immediately needed to be treated with strychnine to ward off infections because of how contaminated the water that they were floating in was. Yeah. So, bodies were being pulled out of the river, but they didn't really have anywhere to put them. They weren't prepared for any of this, obviously. So they decided that they're going to put them in the bottom floor of a building nearby. 844 people died that day. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly women and children. 175 women became widows that day. 58 children lost their parents. Lost one of their parents. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 175 women became widows. 58 children, 228 teenagers just died. Oh, my God. Yeah. 40 children who survived were left without any parents at all. Oh. 22 entire families no longer existed. Wow. Because they were first and second generation. So they brought everybody with them and yeah. everybody drowned. So. I wonder what happened to the kids, you know? Yeah. The only way to get the dead back to their families was... The, the only idea they came up with was to line up the bodies on the floor and have people walk through and claim their loved ones like a museum. So people were misidentified because of this and then misburied and some were exhumed and reburied properly. And it was as if the whole tragedy wasn't bad enough. The Eastland itself, 
you know, that boat that they were trying to save the integrity of was eventually righted and towed out of the Chicago River and sold to the U.S. Navy as a warship. Oh, no. Yeah. The bad vibes on that ship. So, surprisingly, the employer in all of this, again, Western Electric, they actually did the best that they could. You know, they didn't just bail out, like, the captain of the boat. They stepped up and supported the survivors, paying for funerals, giving relief money. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I was shocked. Uh, Chicago was just totally inundated with caring for all these dead people. They weren't prepared for it. Where do you even put this many people? They had to open an entire new section of their cemetery to bury all of these people. 52 grave diggers had to work around the clock for weeks just burying just digging graves and burying people. Mm. It's um, hard to dig a grave. Yeah. Yeah. And buried then, Ziggy and that was a... Right? You don't <laughs> realize how deep a hole needs to be until you like, have to bury like a dog or something. Yeah, we were like sweating. It was a family affair. It was it was something. Um, another thing that they ran into is just like the amount of people and traffic that they were encountering because all of these simultaneous funerals. So like... Everybody coming at the same time. It, it was just a mess. Um, entire families were just completely destroyed. And I had never heard of this, but July 24th, 1915 was one of the deadliest days in American and Chicago history. But it's not often spoke about. No, clearly. I had no idea. Uh, I found a lot of this information on history.com. And um, there's also a person I watch on YouTube called Ask a Mortician. Oh. She's super cool. Um She's just really entertaining to watch. But she did a whole thing on Eastland. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to talk about this. Because I had no idea that this was even a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. So that is the Eastland tragedy. Thank you. It's it's not good, but it's good. Yeah. All of the stories are like that here. That's, that's about right. Here on our show. <laughs> here on our, our – oh, and uh, let us know how we sound. We are slowly working towards figuring this shit out. But anyway – Thanks for listening. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.